Dear friends, shall we just take a moment to pause and to pray and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus who said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, our loving, gracious God and Father, as we come to you, we remember that your word is truth and we thank you for it. And as Jesus reminded us, we can actually live without your word. But if we do, our soul is going to shrivel and die. And if our soul shrivels and dies, we will not get to spend eternity with you. So now as we continue on, having heard your word read and now preached, Please speak to our hearts. We need your word like we need oxygen. Bring it home to us in ways that are clear, real and felt. Father, this is so important and we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Dear friends, can you believe it? Christmas was a month ago. And I wonder for you if it really was a Merry Christmas or as we, I think perhaps better ought to say, a truly blessed Christmas. And what about your new year? What's that been like? We tend to say Happy New Year, but I'd like to think we should think in terms of Blessed New Year and so on. But that aside, how's it been? Well, I truly do hope it has been blessed. But it's not always like that, is it? If you lived in Ukraine or in Gaza, it would be tough. If you were in Jinjin just a few weeks ago and it was your house that would be burned down, my guess is there'd be tears. In two of my previous congregations, just recently, families buried a loved one. Their new year was full of tears. What about yours? And it's a reminder as we think on this that none of us gets through life without tears. And we know why, and the bottom line is they start early, a brand new baby crying for a feed, a toddler falling over and hurting himself and crying to be picked up, and of course it just goes on from there. Tears are part and parcel of the world in which we live, and that raises a question how do you pray through tears? And some might ask, should you? Shouldn't you just wait a bit, pull yourself together, and then come to God that way? How do you pray through tears? Well, that's why we're looking at Hannah this morning, because that's exactly what she did. Now let's come back a moment and we'll 
take a moment to focus on Hannah and her circumstances. Hannah was a loved wife in a godly family, but it wasn't a happy family. Hannah wasn't the only wife, and you can try to picture what that must have been like. And on top of that, two times in our text, we read that the Lord had closed Hannah's womb. Now, for those who've been down that road and had to struggle with that, that's a problem. That's tough. But just imagine living in the Old Testament where that was a sign of shame. People would look on a woman like Hannah and think she was a bit of a disgrace. And in the book of Deuteronomy, we read that a barren womb is a sign of God's curse. And then on top of all that, not just month by month, year by year, Hannah being reminded of that, but on top of all that, there was the other wife. And she was a bully. There's no other word for Penina. Now, every year, the family would go to Shiloh. The temple had not yet been built in Jerusalem, so the place of sacrifice was Shiloh. They would go there, they would offer a sacrifice, and after that was offered, part of that would be returned to the family, and they would have a meal together. And it was meant to be a joyful meal, but not for Hannah. Because Elkanah, out of his love for Hannah, and it, it clearly was there, he would give her a special portion. And that just got Penina going. So Penina turned the knife in the womb once again. And for Hannah, it was very hard. And perhaps she said something like, Oh, Hannah, have the kids told you? I'm pregnant again. This went on year after year. Penina her rival, and that's the word used in the text, provoking her until she wept and would not eat. Until this day when she could take it no more. She got up, she went to the tabernacle, she is deeply distressed, she is weeping bitterly, she, her lips are moving but she's not making a sound and the question is, what's going on? Is she cursing God? Is she saying to God, I'm done. This is all too hard. I didn't sign up for this. I'm going. No. She is praying. She is praying to the Lord who closed her womb. And surely that must strike us. And she is praying through her tears. And this is in the Bible to help us pray through ours. When praying is the last thing you feel like doing, then Hannah can teach us today. And she's going to teach us who we pray to, firstly. How we are to pray and what to pray in times like that. And really, that's what you do in any prayer, don't you? You've got to know who you're talking to. You've got to understand how you are to come to him. 
And you've got to know what you're going to say. So let's have a look at who we pray to. Oop, sorry. We go back to our text, and if you have your Bibles, and I'd certainly encourage that, please look it up. In verse 11, we read, she made a vow, and I'll read a little more than what we need, just so we get the picture again. Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. So who's she praying to? She's praying to the Lord Almighty. Other translations have it, the Lord of hosts. And the idea is that he is the God of armies. He's a God of power. And Hannah knew that. She knew that God created the world, the universe, out of nothing. Hannah knew her Bible. She would know how the Lord had provided for the Israelites with manna for 40 years, day after day, in the desert. She would know that the Lord had brought water out of a rock. And she would know that when it came to women with a barren womb, the Lord had a great track record. Think of Sarah, the wife of Abraham. Rebecca, the wife of Isaac. Rachel, the wife of Jacob. And so she prayed to the Lord Almighty. And as she did, I can imagine that she... Oh, I'm sorry. She would be thinking of how God led his people out of Egypt. Because the thing for us to grasp is that this is not just raw, naked power. Like when a rocket gets blasted up into space... Or when you're in the plane and you're taking off and you're getting thrown back in your seat because of the thrust of those jet engines. This is power used for the good of his people. And we see that as we think back to Moses leading the people out of Egypt. Why is it that Egypt is a, was the world power in its day and it had armies upon armies and the Lord's people were just a nation of slaves? Why is it that the armies of Egypt couldn't stop them? How is it that the armies of Egypt ended up drowned in the Red Sea, but the people of God went through and didn't even get their feet wet? Because the Lord Almighty used his power for the good of his people to save them. And when he got to work, nothing and no one was going to stand in his way. So Hannah prays to the Lord Almighty. And we know this better than Hannah. Think for a moment of Christmas. Right through the whole of the Old Testament, Satan is at work throwing everything to derail this plan that God has in place to save his people from their sins through his son. But Jesus was born on time on target. That's power. And then, think of the cross. Stop for a moment and try to picture that lonely hill outside Jerusalem with the three hours of darkness. 
Jesus the King, the King who is going to save the world, is dead on a cross. It looked like a complete disaster, an utter failure. And that's certainly what the disciples thought at that point. But was it? That was Friday. What happened on Sunday? God raised Jesus from the dead, and later he enthroned him. And then, one day, he's going to send him back. And brothers and sisters, I want to ask you, can there be any doubt, any doubt, that the God we pray to is the Lord Almighty, a God of power? And that's why Hannah prayed to him this way. She knew who she was praying to. And now a question. When you come with your prayers, is there any prayer too big for him to handle? Too hard for him to manage? There isn't, is there? Now please, please, do not misunderstand this. This is not a guarantee that if we cry enough and if we're sincere enough and if our faith is strong enough, he's going to give it to us. That is not what this passage is saying. But it is reminding us that when we pray to him, you're not praying to a wimp. You're not praying to a God who can't deliver Look at Bethlehem, look at Calvary, look at the open grave, look at Hannah. You are praying to a God who is powerful. So when the tears won't stop, when the hurt is more than you can handle, and the sin that has enslaved you for so long has got you again, and you are broken, and you are wounded, and you are weeping. Or if you're in the pits of depression, what should you do when the tears are flowing? Go to the God who knows you and loves you. Take it to the Lord in prayer, because he can help you. The God you pray to is a God of power and just as well. But how are we to pray? When Hannah came to the temple, I think in one word we could describe her. She was a mess. She was wounded. She was weeping. She was a mess. And we need to see that because the question is, did she wait to pull herself together before she started praying? And the answer is no, not at all. And we'll see that in our passage. Let's have a look at this. Oh dear. In her deep anguish, in verse 10, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. Try to picture this. Now, in the intervening verses, we get Eli, the high priest, rebuking her. And we read about that in the text. And here she counters that and said, Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is 
deeply troubled. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. So how do we pray? We pray as Hannah prayed. We pour out our soul to the Lord. And to help us grasp this, I want us to think of a bottle of salad dressing. We take it and we pour the contents out over our salad. What's in the bottle comes out. And the Psalms are full of this, pouring out our soul to the Lord. I read recently that one-third of the Psalms, 50 out of the 150, are complaints, where people are pouring out their heart to the Lord because life doesn't make sense. And Psalm 13 was just one example. That's why Johann read it for us this morning. And those opening, that opening verse, let me read it again. The psalmist says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? And then there's Psalm 22. My God, my God, David cries out, Why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? These are not hallelujah, praise the Lord psalms. They are there, but this is not them. This is raw, unfiltered emotion. The psalmists are angry, they're upset, they're confused, they're in pain, they're in tears. Nothing makes sense anymore, and they pour all of that out to the Lord. And it's not just them. Think of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. I'll read you from Luke's Gospel. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. On the cross, Jesus crying out. And here comes Psalm 22. It must have been in his mind as he hung on the cross. From Matthew's Gospel, about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why? Why have you forsaken me? They pour out their heart to the Lord who is listening. What can we learn from this, friends? When we think about how we pray when the tears are running and they just won't stop. Well, the first thing we can learn is that God can handle our prayers. I have a quote from Ralph Davis. I'll just let him speak here. Christians need to realize that Yahweh, or if you like, the Lord, our God, allows us to do this, to pour out our griefs and sobs and perplexities at his feet. It won't make him nervous or ill at ease if you unload your distress at his feet. God can handle our tears. But there's something else. This helps you. 
Now, you may be thinking, oh, yes, of course. Uh, we need to get this off our chest. Well, yes, but that's not what I'm thinking here. I want us to think about this source bottle. We pour out our hearts to the Lord, and Jesus, at the throne of grace, interceding for us, pours into us grace and mercy in our time of need. That's how it works. We pour out, and our Saviour pours in, because He's no stranger to tears. We find Him at the grave of Lazarus, weeping. We find Him on the donkey heading into Jerusalem, crying His eyes out because He saw the destruction that would come on the city. We read of Him in Hebrews 5 verse 7, offering up loud cries and prayers with tears. So there's so much more tears in Jesus' life that we only ever get a brief reference to. He is at the throne of grace now. He is interceding for all who know and love Him. And that's why it's so important to have faith in Him, because He can help you through your tears. He's no stranger to tears. He knows how hard life can be on this earth. And Hebrews 4 speaks of him as being the high priest who sympathizes with our weaknesses and he has the help that you need. You pour out your heart and he pours in grace and mercy, tailor-made for you at that point. Jesus is living proof that God cares about our tears and he can help us to pray as Hannah did. And friends, as we think about this source bottle illustration, I want to ask, have you ever prayed that way? It's such a comfort to know that we can and we should. So who are we praying to? A God of power. How do we pray? Well, just think about the source bottle. But now, what to pray? Come back with me to Hannah and her prayer in those verses 9 to 11. One thing is very clear, dear brothers and sisters. Hannah knew what she wanted and Hannah was not afraid to ask. And she did. It's a very, very specific prayer. Now, of course, prayer is not just asking God for things. But sometimes it is. Let's have a look at Hannah's prayer. We read beforehand, it's a vow, a solemn promise to the Lord. And I want to focus on this because it's particular to her circumstances, but also applies to ours. And as we read it, I have a question for you at the end. I'll give it to you now. 
Is this a deal? Does she want to make a deal with God? Let's read it. Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. She wanted her son, or she wanted God to give her a son, and that son would be a Nazarite. Now, a Nazarite was a person, you can read about it in Numbers 6 and through the Old Testament, who was devoted to the Lord. So, he would not drink alcohol. He would not touch a dead body, and he would not cut his hair. You probably know a Nazarite. Samson was a Nazarite. That's why he had such long hair. Hannah is praying that for the son she trusts God will give her. Now the question is, is she making a deal? Is this a bargain? Okay, God, you do this, this is what I'll do for you. Well, it certainly looks like that. It's got that if-then structure. But let's think about this. If God granted her a son, would she keep him? No, she wouldn't. Would she have the joy of raising him? No. And when she walked down the road with the family and people looked at her and saw Penina with all her kids, wouldn't she still look like a barren woman? Friends, this is not a deal. This is a sacrifice. She wanted a son to offer to the Lord so that in that time of spiritual decay, where things were not good in God's kingdom, there would be a leader who would stand and who would turn the tide so that better days could come. To use the words of the Lord Jesus, when Hannah was praying, her focus was on the kingdom of God. Your kingdom come, Lord. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what I want for my son. And this kingdom focus should drive our prayers too. Now, of course, we're living in the New Testament. We're on this side of the cross. Things have changed. We're not in Old Testament Israel. Jesus has come. He has lived. He has died. He has risen. He's ruling in heaven right now. So what do we pray when we pray for our children? And perhaps it's our children that have brought us to tears. What should we pray for them? Well, we want, of course, for them to be happy and healthy. But the priority is not just that. We want for our children to be committed to the Lord. We want for our children to be living members of his church. We want for our boys and girls, our young men and women and older, to make the gospel attractive 
to be in God's world as part of God's solution, not part of the problem. We want them, like us we trust, to be the light that shines in the darkness and shows a better way, to be the salt which halts the decay in our society where it seems that anything goes now. The goalposts have gone and now we're the bad guys. We want children, young men, young women and older willing to make a stand for Christ in a world that doesn't know him and show a better way in a world where everyone thinks they've got it together but they haven't. And when that doesn't happen, and some of us know that circumstance, then, then we pray that the Lord would change them before it's too late. But we're always praying with a kingdom focus because so that the gospel can make a kingdom difference. Well, that's our children. We're asking the question, what do we pray? Well, we started with the kids, but what about your situation? What's causing you tears? Could it be the loss of a loved one? Could it be an unexpected crisis? A marriage just struggling to hang on? What I mentioned before, a, a secret sin known only to the Lord and you and it has got you again and it has broken you again. What do you pray then? Well, we must pray as Hannah did that the Lord would change that. That's exactly what Hannah did. She knew what she wanted and she wasn't afraid to ask. And we must have that same humble, holy forwardness. Dear friends, pray that the Lord would change your situation as he did with Hannah. Or, if he doesn't do that, that he would change you. Step with me into the New Testament, into the shoes of the Apostle Paul, who prayed earnestly three times that the Lord would take away his thorn in the flesh. But the Lord said, no. But I will give you a better lesson, my grace, which will be sufficient for you. Pray that the Lord would change your situation. Or, if he doesn't, pray that the Lord will change you. This is so important, dear friends, because prayer changes things. Look at Hannah. What did we say about her when she came to the temple? She was a mess. But verse 18 says, when she left, she was no longer sad. 
Please don't forget, at this point, she had no idea if the Lord would say yes or no to her prayer. We know because we've read the story. She didn't. But she did leave no longer sad. She left with the peace of the Lord. Because whatever happened, she knew even though she prayed through her tears that she could trust the Lord to do what was right and best. And she left it with him. Prayer changes things. It changed Hannah. And just briefly, it did way more than that. We don't have time this morning to open that up. It changed the nation. Samuel was born, he became the last of the judges. So we're coming out of that time of great, terrible decline in the time of the judges when every man did what was right in his own eyes. Samuel closed that off and then we step into the time of the kings. First King Saul and then the great King David. And it doesn't get any bigger than David when it comes to kings. The famous King David. And then fast forward that into the early New Testament. Who is the son of David, born in the city of David, of the line of David? It is Jesus. Hannah's prayer changed the nation. And Hannah's prayer changed the world. And just imagine if she hadn't prayed that day. If she'd said, that's it. I'm done, I'm out of here. But the point is, she did pray. And that's why this prayer is in the Bible for our encouragement and instruction. She prayed through her tears so that we can be helped to pray through our tears. And remember, friends, who is it you're praying to? You're praying to the Lord Almighty, the God of power. Is there any prayer he can't handle? How should you pray? Well, remember the sauce bottle? Pour out your heart so that the Lord Jesus, our high priest, can pour in his grace and mercy in your time of need. And what should you pray? the very thing that's causing you grief. And let's not forget, let's never forget that one day Jesus is coming back and then there will be no more tears. The Bible has this beautiful picture where the Lord our God, who we read at the beginning of the service, has stored up our tears on his scroll and knows every one of them. That Lord God is going to wipe the tears from our eyes and there will be joy forevermore. But we're not there yet. So press on. Fix your eyes, the eyes of your faith on Jesus. Walk with him day by day. And pray on through your tears. He is there to help you. He can handle it. And one day, it'll be no more tears. And I say, 
Hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, our God and Father, you are the healer of hearts and the binder of wounds. You are near to the brokenhearted. You save those who are crushed in spirit. You truly are the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort. We pray for one another today and remember especially the bruised and the broken, the wounded and the weary, those with tears in their eyes and those who are crying on the inside. Bring us all to your throne of grace where the Lord Jesus stands ready with mercy and grace in our times of need. It is Jesus who has told us that alongside the joy, there will also be sorrow, difficult seasons, hard stretches, unexpected challenges and tears in this world in which we live. Remind us of that older hymn. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Lord, our God, please teach us how to pray as Hannah prayed through her tears and as we press on and pray on remind us we are a people who live by faith and not by sight may we never forget one day the tears will be wiped from our eyes we can't wait for that but until that day teach us to pray and Lord, come Lord Jesus, come quickly. Amen.